Hello, my name's Tom Boone. And I'm Joanna Bailey. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Simple Flying Podcast, where we'll give you the lowdown on the latest news from the world of commercial aviation. Here's what we have for you this week. Coming up today, Tom will see why there's a reason to raise a glass on Lufthansa and Emirates flights, while I see which airline is thinking about joining OneWorld. I'll look at Ryanair's Airbus A320 plans, while Joe tells us about the big votes of confidence for a new electric airplane. Finally, Tom will give his weekly A380 update, this time talking about something exciting being done by Airbus next month. So now you know what's in store. Let's get on with the show. And, you know, I really wanted to start by talking about Emirates because I'm actually now sat in a hotel room in Dubai watching an Emirates 777 taking off uh, from Dubai International Airport. But let's actually talk about what we want to talk about, which is planes. And the reason I want to talk about Emirates and Lufthansa is because it's September. And you know what September means? Um, It's the beginning of the cold season. I had a winter season. It's October 1st. But it's September. (laughs) Don't ask. Don't ask. Just go with it. Um, Because actually, you know, um, people who have been following what's been going on in the world for the past two years will be well aware that October 1st was cancelled due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Of course, Lufthansa celebrates it every year. They didn't stop their celebrations during COVID-19, which was um, interesting because they were kind of celebrating October 1st that wasn't happening. Um, But, you know, this year, October 1st reopened and it It was crazy. I saw on social media, I think, when the doors opened, there was just thousands of people in lederhosen running down the street to get the best tables, Um, which, you know, (laughs) it was was quite a sight. I was was actually looking at, like, what's happening. Is is somebody sharing – because there was no context to this video. It was like, is is somebody sharing video of a riot starting or something? (laughs) Uh, It turned out, no, it was the opening of Oktoberfest. But anyway, back to planes. So, yeah, you know, Lufthansa is the flag carrier of Germany and it maintains its second largest base in Munich, which is the home of Oktoberfest. So it comes as no surprise that Lufthansa is a big follower of um, and celebrator of of the festival. Um, It's been celebrating Oktoberfest now for decades. Um, And what we've seen is... Every year, the airline operates a handful of flights with what's a so-called Trachten crew. And I hope I've said that right. Um, I have I no so. idea. <laughs> I can't help you there. Um, But this is essentially a standard flight crew that swaps the usual Lufthansa uniform for traditional German uh, Bavarian even dress. So this means Lederhosen for the men and Dirndls, which are traditional dresses for the women. What was really interesting about this year is because they've they've been using the same design for this um, outfit for five years now, but Lufthansa decided this year, you know, we're going to have a new um, festival dress, uh, Trachten uh, crew dress, um, and they've redesigned it. But the the key thing that they're looking at this time around is sustainability, of course, because um, (laughs) COVID's gone, so sustainability is the big word again. Oh, Um, yes. I think I can say that as well, because I was reading that Biden said that COVID is now gone in the US, uh, or is not a pandemic anymore in the US. Um, I think it's endemic now, isn't it? It's it's not gone anywhere. It's just, we're just like, yeah, yeah, we'll live with it now. Yeah, well, uh, because Germany actually is getting rid of masks on flights. But Emirates yesterday was very sort of reminding that the pandemic is still ongoing and masks are still required. But anyway, I digress. Back to Oktoberfest. Um, This year, uh, it's operating long-haul Trachten crew. 
crew flights to from Munich to Rio de Janeiro and San Diego. Um, that was on um, September the 15th. And further flights on September 26th are going to go to Boston and New York. Um, but, you know, even if you're not booked on one of these flights, it doesn't mean you're not going to take part in Oktoberfest if you're flying uh, with Lufthansa from Munich. So, Ground staff at the airport traditionally wear traditional dress as well, but also if you end up in the lounges and on board um, some shorter haul flights from Frankfurt Airport and Munich Airport to 33 destinations, you'll find Oktoberfest inspired refreshments and um the one thing that I really noticed this year, though, is in previous years, um, Lufthansa has been quite like, wow, we've got these special kegs that can deal with the pressurization of altitude on our flight. Um, and we're pouring beer from the tap for customers. But, you know, maybe this is happening this year, but the, the airline made no mention of it in any of their press releases um, or press on the, the thing. So, um I think, you know, have a look and see, but you might be disappointed. Um, but the one thing I was really excited to read was that it's not just Emirates, um, not just Lufthansa celebrating Oktoberfest. Emirates is also getting in on the action. Um, they have a significant presence in Germany. As we know, they fly at least daily to four destinations. And they've said before they would fly to more, but the sort of uh, agreement they have with Germany is that they can only serve four. So if they added one, they'd have to lose one. Um, but for from last Saturday, the airline's been offering a slightly different service on board flights to Germany with Oktoberfest in mind. So they haven't got any special uniforms like Lufthansa, but passengers are going to get special refreshments um, that are tailored towards the festival. So inside economy, passengers are going to be offered a roast chicken dish, followed by a German Bienenstich cake. Um, I hope I said that right. <laughs> um, I think I'm getting my pronunciation right from words these days. But um, And in first and business class cabins, there's going to be a veal dish with dumplings and seasonal vegetables. Hmm. Um, I was quite sad to see when I flew from, from Frankfurt yesterday that they didn't have any Oktoberfest on that. So I think it's only for flights going to Germany. Uh. Um, I'm also quite upset because I'm going to be on a night flight coming back. So maybe they have breakfast and no Oktoberfest fun. But we'll see. Um, I think you'll still get dinner. I think you'll get the Oktoberfest dinner. Fingers we'll see. <laughs> I'll, I'll let listeners know next week. But um, yeah, so um, they've also got sort of themed snacks. If you're on the A380, go to the lounge. If you're in business and first, they'll have um, some things like pretzels up there. Um, and every passenger is supposed to leave these flights with individually wrapped gingerbread hearts. Um, gingerbread hearts, something you can get at Oktoberfest. Although, you know, there's not, you can get them at Christmas markets as well. So it's, it's more of a German thing, I'd say, than Oktoberfest. Um, but, you know, these offerings are not currently reflected in the online menus for such flights. Um, what I did find interesting, though, is like Lufthansa, Emirates is also offering treats in lounges. Although, you know, Lufthansa is not offering this in its Frankfurt lounges. Emirates is offering it in all four of its German lounges. And this includes themed foods inclu um, such as Weisswurst, which is a veal sausage, and Käsespätzler, which is a cheesy pasta dish, um, which Emirates actually referred to as German mac and cheese, which I was thinking might actually be a bit, uh, <laughs> you know, like I was like looking at my partner like, are you going to kill me if I write this? Um, so that's why we, we've gone with a cheesy pasta dish, but um, okay. it's very tasty. Good, good. 
I wish I was flying. I'd love to try some of that. Love a bit of cheesy pasta. Yeah, we'll just come over here. <laughs> We're not here to Germany. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay, so I wanted to talk a little bit about alliances um, and in particular One World because what a year they are having. Um, you know, they they had the big celebration with Royal Emma Rock earlier this oh, year. Oh, I remember that. <laughs> yes, <laughs> Tom's uh, whistle stop tour to, to um, Nigeria. Um, and then they also had Alaska Airlines joining the alliance, which which has really boosted right. the connectivity and, in the US. And, and they've got um, Oman Air joining the alliance. Indeed, they've announced Oman Air joining. Well, now it looks like they could be getting another new member um, in the form of Rwanda. Um, the airline would be the second African carrier to join the alliance after Royal Air Maroc. And given Rwanda's kind of extensive network in Africa, it would be a massive boon to the alliance because they've got a huge gap in that particular region, particularly into South Africa. Um, so how do we know this? Well, there was a big conference going on in Africa over the last week or so in Kigali. Um, and some of the reports coming out of there suggested that there might be something going on. We reached out to Yvonne Makolo, who is the Rwanda CEO. And she told us, as we continue to expand our partnership with Qatar Airways, we're always looking for ways to improve our customer offering and global reach. We are therefore explore, exploring the possibility of entering the One World Alliance. This would be a perfect fit for Rwanda and they'll help us to forge closer ties with like-minded airline partners overseas. So that was her side of the story, but also at the conference was himself, uh, Qatar Airways CEO Akbar Al-Bakr, one of our favourite airline CEOs. Um, Obviously, he's a close friend of Rwanda, but he's also a major investor. And he indicated during the conference that Qatar would help Rwanda to achieve the necessary standards required to join One World, either as a full member or as an associate. So a One World spokesperson also provided a statement to us regarding the possibility of Rwanda join, joining the alliance. And they said, we welcome the opportunity for discussions with Rwanda as they formulate their partnership strategy. Africa is an important market for One World and already extensively served by a number of One World member airlines. It is, you know, there are routes into Africa, but intra-Africa connections on One World are still very difficult. And that's somewhere that Rwanda could really step in. So I just wanted to recap a little bit on the kind of relationship between Qatar Airways and Rwanda because I find it's quite it, a tight-knit one isn't it I feel it's like it's so tight and it's really really fascinating actually um you know Qatar has always had this investment strategy you know to kind of bring other airlines in different regions up to standard and make them feeder airlines for the main airline in markets that it finds difficult to get into um particularly for Qatar you know it was dealing with this blockade for the longest time that meant it couldn't overfly certain areas and it made flights into particular regions very difficult um so Al-Bakr, I think it was way back at the beginning of 2020, Al-Bakr indicated he was interested in investing in Rwanda. Um, and he does actually hold now a 49% stake in the airline. So not quite majority, but, you know, it's, he's the major shareholder of the airline, certainly. Um, and then in October 21, Qatar and Rwanda launched an important code share agreement, deepening their relationship even further. And then in December last year, Rwanda inaugurated its first flights to 
Doha. So everything is falling into place. <laughs> and alongside the investment in the airline, Qatar Airways also has a 60% stake in the new international airport in Kigali. So this is all strategic decisions. This is all like brainchilds of Albaca trying to get his foot into Africa a bit more solidly. Um, whether it will come out that Rwanda does join One World, I mean, that remains to be seen. It is a fairly small airline compared to lots of the members of One World. Um, you know, it would be good for One World members, certainly, particularly who are looking for African connectivity. But you know, I would think that they would be more appropriate to join as a connect member than as a full member. So you wouldn't really get, you wouldn't necessarily get all the benefits. You know, full membership would mean you get the lounge access and the reciprocal mileage earning and burning. But, you know, if connect members, you get less. So, um, but we'll wait and see how that pans out. I think, you know, full membership is maybe a step too far for an airline of that particular size. Anyway, exciting to watch. Yeah, and I remember, I think I spoke about it on the podcast back in like March or April. Um, I did look into what um, what uh, Royal Air Maroc added to the One World in Africa um, network. And it's it's there's quite a lot added. But yeah, like you say, in that sort of specific region, I think there's definitely room for growth. Mm, definitely. Moving on from, <laughs> from Africa to Europe, um, I wanted to talk about everyone's favorite low-cost airline, uh, Ryanair. And I wanted to talk about actually something, you know, you, when you think of Ryanair, you think of them, as, what do you think of when you think of Ryanair, if I'm talking planes? Small seats, um, no leg room, cheap flights, <laughs> Boeing 737. Yes, that's oh, the that one. <laughs> that was it, Boeing 737. Well, actually, you know, they've got um, 28 or so um, A380s knocking, um, uh, A380s, A320s <laughs> knocking about. I'd love to see a Ryanair A380 if you're oh, listening, O'Leary. Okay. <laughs> there's, there's some going cheap um, so <laughs> for the Stansted Dublin route. <laughs> um, anyway, um, they've got around 28 A320s knocking about um and this is basically from when they bought the majority and then the full amount of louder or louder motion um um as it was at the time from nikki louder um and you know it it would really have made sense for ryanair to just get rid of them move to the triple set um, to the 737 entirely because if you think about it um you know when you look at an airline like southwest they only operate the 737 and that means they only need um need mechanics for the 737 and they only need spare parts for the 737 and by introducing this small subfleet less than six uh, percent of the airline's fleet um of a320s you know you're increasing the cost that the airline has because you've now got to have extra spare parts for another plane extra mechanics and um you know it, it it seems based on Ryanair's business model of let's make everything financially watertight you know from an outside perspective it doesn't seem to make sense does it but you know it, it it's got to make sense because Ryanair wouldn't do it if um, wouldn't operate them still if um, it didn't make financial sense. But basically, um, when they released their financial results for the first quarter of the 2023 year last month, uh, last week, sorry, buried in the results, they revealed that they're going to be extending the leases on its uh, their 320s by four years. So they were due to expire in 2024, and they're now going to run through 2028. 
And speaking about this, O'Leary said they want to lock in material rent savings, enhance operational efficiency and facilitate growth opportunities over the coming years. Um, so, you know, yeah, like I said, um, I said around 28 aircraft, they got 29 um, A320s and they're an average age of 15.5 years. So they're not new. Um, by any means, they contribute around uh, 5,000 seats of capacity to the um, Ryanair fleet. Um, but yeah, so you may be thinking, why why are they doing this? Well, speaking about this, um, the business case for the A320, O'Leary said that the airline had reviewed current Boeing 737NG lease opportunities, and he also highlighted Boeing's failure to agree competitive pricing on a new aircraft order. Um, we know that they were looking at the uh, 737 MAX 10 at some point, um, and that kind of went over. So it, it seems like O'Leary still isn't quite getting out of Ryanair what what he wants, but um, my understanding is what he wants out of uh, sorry out of Boeing is um, more than would be sensible for Boeing. You know, otherwise Boeing probably just jump at it. So, you know, of course the A320 lease extension it wasn't the only thing that they revealed. They said that they're currently operating at 115% of their pre-COVID capacity while not directly suffering from the staffing issues that we've seen across the industry. So this as is, is its own point I find incredible because you know so many carriers like BA and Lufthansa and um, others have been cutting their schedules um you know maybe if they were operating five Frankfurt Munich flights they'd cut it down to four and spread the cancelled flight across these other four um so you know like um, very few people would actually see them a, a real I can't travel um but you know, Ryanair, they've gone the opposite direction. They're just like, okay, this is what we were doing in 2019, 2020. Let's beat that. And they've actually seen, I think we spoke about it last week or the week before, their record passenger numbers. Um, they said in terms of the financials, you know, things are getting better than before. They had uh, Q1 last year, they had a loss of 273 million euros. Um, and the year before, they saw um, a profit of 243 million. So um, this year, the profit was only 170 million. But, you know, a profit's a profit, and there's almost 200 million profit anyway. So it, it's not bad. They're doing well. Um, Speaking about the future, O'Leary did say our experience with Omicron last November and the Ukraine invasion in February shows how fragile the air travel market remains. It's too soon to provide meaningful um, full year guidance at this time for 2023. because the experience with Omicron and Ukraine shows that any guidance is subject to very rapid change from unexpected events which are well beyond our control during what remains a very strong but still fragile recovery. and I, you know, I'm I'm very happy for Ryanair that they're doing well. But I still remember, you know, chatting to O'Leary in March 2020, and he was saying like, "Oh yeah, you know, this will all blow over by Easter. <laughs> Everyone's making a big yeah. hype of it, but it, it, nothing will happen." Of it. And then look where we are. But you know, at least um, this summer has at least in terms of COVID, I think has really been one where the industry has got back where it should be um Mm. not so much in terms of staffing but that's a whole separate issue yeah travel demand never went away though and they always said it would come back and i think you know in some ways it's been even more so than we expected because people are just desperate now you know they've been like two years with no holiday they've saved up all their pennies they're like right let's have a really good holiday this summer yeah Um, and i mean the thing is i i still feel like maybe it's not the case right now but i think a lot of these um, airlines with smaller A380 fleets are going to miss them 
when things are really back to 100%, which mm. clearly they're going to get to. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Anyway, I wanted to talk a little bit about something a bit smaller than an A380, quite a lot smaller, actually. Um, and that is the brand new plane from um, electric aviation pioneer Heart Aerospace. Um, so the company last week announced their new iteration of the ES-19, which was their 19-seat aircraft. And they unveiled the ES-30, which is going to be their larger regional electric aircraft. So you might guess from the name... The ES-19 flies 19 passengers. How many do you think the ES-30 flies, Tom? 380. (laughs) No, it is, of course, 30. Um, So these are very small planes, but actually in the regional market, there's very little new coming around. You know, lots of airlines are flying very old turboprops on these um, shorter routes, Um, but they're vital. You know, they're connecting communities that have no other way of getting around. Um, And with the unveiling of the new ES-30 came a bunch of orders and commitments and new investments, which is really great news for Heart Aerospace. So running through the list, Air Canada was one of the first to announce um, they intend to buy 30 ES-30 electric aircraft and they took a $5 million equity stake in Heart Aerospace, which of course gives the company some valuable capital to continue its research and development. Mm. Um, And I guess that gives Air Canada a little bit of a steer over where they go as well. Uh, Yeah, absolutely. They'll be um, sitting on a, um, I can't remember the word for it now, like an overseeing board panel. Yes, exactly. Um, Talking about what they'll be doing and um, kind of directing what the aircraft ends up being like so that it is suitable. And, you know, for companies like Hart, it's vital to have these industry bodies on board. um, So they do produce something that's actually going to sell. So the airline expects the ES-30 to enter service in 2028, which isn't that far away, actually. Um, and it's going to be used on regional routes, as you might expect, um, probably through Jazz Air, I would assume, because Air Canada tends not to fly its own regional routes. Um, the Jazz fleet at the moment, it, I think its smallest aircraft is the CRJ200, which seats 50. But I would imagine a lot of those regional routes, it flies half empty anyway, because they are so remote. Um, anyway, we will see. Um, second airline to jump in was SAS. Um, those guys have actually been a support of Heart Aerospace since 2019 when there was this Nordic network for electric aviation set up. Um, That included a bunch of other airlines like Air Greenland, Brathens, um, Finnair, Icelandair, um, SAS, Swedavia. So um, now SAS... Wasn't the the, the one with the E2 on that as well? Um, Uh, Widere? Yeah, that's the one. Vidoro, should I say. Yes, I think they were, actually. Um, And they're certainly very into the electric aviation side of things. Um, But SAS also wants to add the ES-30 to its fleet, although it hasn't specified a number. It's just said that it does intend to add it. Um, But it's also joined, this is the name for it, the Industry Advisory Board for Heart Aerospace, um, kind of what we said, um, which will assist in defining the requirements of the ES-30. Um, As well as these two airlines, Saab, who you will remember used to make planes and doesn't really do so anymore, um, they have also invested. They've taken a share for also $5 million in Hart Aerospace. Um, Obviously, having them on board will help Hart um, again to develop a plane that people like. Um, But also interesting was that Hart had got a bunch of orders for the smaller ES-19 
But with the reveal of their larger aircraft, lots of their customers switched up immediately to the larger variants. So the company said it had received letters intent for the ES-30 from Brathens Regional Airlines, or BRA, if you like, um, Iceland Air, New Zealand Sounds Air. And also they took an order from a Swedish leaser called Rockton, which is um, a leaser that's very focused on like new technology aircraft, electric, hydrogen, electric, that sort of stuff. Have they got any EV tools? <laughs> um, I think they might have. I haven't really looked into them very mm. much. Maybe we should do a little feature. But they have signed letters of intent for up to 40 ES-30 airplanes. So in okay. total, Heart Aerospace already has letters of interest for 96 ES-30s. Um, so to that's tell you a little bit... It's not for a plane that was only announced that day. (laughs) Yeah, it's like half of the total A380 sales almost. (laughs) Exactly. Um, So to tell you a little bit about the plane, as we said, it's a 30-seat regional aircraft. It is hybrid electric, so it's not... um, It it can run entirely on electric, but it can also run on turbo generators, um, which use 100% SAF. So on all electric power, it can fly 200 kilometers, which is around 125 miles with the current battery technology. But um, if it uses hybrid power, which means it will burn a bit of fuel and emit some CO2, this extends up to 250 miles. Um, It can also be configured in a low-density arrangement where it will go up to 500 miles. Um, But what was interesting is that Heart Aerospace are working very closely with the battery technology industry. Um, And although current battery technology is limiting in terms of the weight and the size of the batteries that are required, the projections are that battery technology will increase enough to allow the ES-30 to go 370 miles on all electric by 2030. Um, And beyond that, you know, obviously, as batteries continue to scale down and technology continues to improve, it could go even further. But this is exactly the market this plane is designed for. You know, it doesn't sound very far, um, but these are you know, communities that can't get from A to B by any other means. So it's um, absolutely vital to have something decent um, to produce it. Anyway, the company is looking to um, get the scale model of the ES-19, which is the first one up and running next year. And they're going to be taking first flights, hopefully a couple of years after that. At the moment, the only thing they've flown is a very small scale model, which is ever so cute. Um, Do check out the YouTube video on simpleflying.com. You know, I'm rooting for them. I think it's, you know, very interesting, really good business. um, But we'll wait and see how it takes off. Yeah, I mean, you know, I've still got my reservations about electricity and my real work um, because no one's really, you know, there's been like, oh, we've had this odd electric flight, but... um, you know, yeah. I, I I still reserve judgment on whether it works on a large basis. Yeah, definitely. But also coming up this week, and do check on Simple Flying because I think we're writing it as I speak. Um, mm. Do you remember Alice, the aviation I know, funny, yeah, funny I do. looking commuter plane? When you said you wanted to talk about electric planes, I thought that's what you were going to talk about. <laughs> well, she she got an order for 50 more aircraft from Global X last week, um, but she actually completed her taxi tests yesterday. Um, I'm speaking today on Tuesday, I think. I don't know. I had a day off this week and it's kind of thrown me a bit. Anyway, um, the first flight of the type is expected within weeks. So I'm really excited to see that one take off. It is small. It's like nine seats or something. Um, we sat in a cabin mock-up way back in Paris in 2019. I remember, yeah. It was kind of was... cool. It's got lovely big yeah. windows. 
That was um, so long ago. We had the VR headsets on, I that's remember. That's right. Yeah, I found it very bizarre. I'm not, not yeah. keen on VR at all. Anyway, <laughs> um, so with any luck, we'll see that one taking to the skies soon and entering fleets even sooner, which will be great. Mm. Well, you know, I wanted to move on and talk about the one thing that I love more than anything else in the aviation world. Um, and it's funny because actually right now I'm looking outside my hotel window at an Emirates A380, would you believe? <laughs> um, but, you know, what? And it's not, it's not Alpha 6 Echo Delta Bravo. And here's why I know that. You know, I don't know what it is, but I know it's not that one. Um, so next month, Airbus is holding a three-day auction from Thursday, October 13th to Saturday, October 15th. And um, they're going to take this auction is going to take place in person in Toulouse and online um, at a website you can find on simpleflying.com. Um, but what's interesting about this auction is that most of the parts have been taken from an Emirates Airbus A380. Um, and this, um, the lots that are going to be on offer are now online. So I was having a look, a comb through them. Um, you know, most of it comes from A6 EDB, um, which is why I know it's not the one that I'm staring at taking off right now. <laughs> uh, amazing sight. Back to the podcast. Um, uh, but there are some other bits, you know, there's, um, I think, a high-vis jacket from when they first took the plane to Heathrow um, that's expected to fetch at least 100 euros. So mm. uh, none of the stuff looks cheap, but um, here's some of the cool stuff that you could end up taking away if you win any of the lots. Um, and let me know if you are interested in any of them, Joe. Um, first up, we've got an Emirates First Class Suite Do Not Disturb sign. Um, so that will say your seat number, maybe 1K, uh, with the, um, like, do not disturb me or I want some help, blah, blah, blah. Oh, yeah, um, I'll have that, please. Yeah, there's some overhead bins on offer. No, no I don't know what I'd do with no. one of those. Um, fuselage side panels. No. A380 cabin rescue axes. What, what are those? They're uh, axes. Uh, oh, get... like axes for chopping. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'll have one of those. Uh, Be handy when my, uh, when my children misbehave. <laughs> <laughs> no children were harmed in the making of this podcast. <laughs> um, engine fan blades. Um, and actually, they've got some, some artists have been painting on the engine fan blades, and they look quite cool. Um, so probably out of my price range. Um, cockpit rescue ropes. So that's the thing, you know, if they need to get out of the cockpit and can't go through the back door, um, they climb out this little hole uh, with the rope. Um, there's a toilet bowl and seat, which I found quite interesting. I don't know um, <laughs> if I'd... Re it, it's, it's brown in colour as well, which it just doesn't really help it, <laughs> I think. One thing that really I did find cool uh, was the cockpit staircase is an offer, and that's like four steps that basically takes you up from the um, the ground level because the cockpit is kind of high... It's higher than the ground, uh, than, than the main deck, but it's lower than the upper deck. Um, and finally, you know, you've got, not finally, there's so many uh, lots on offer, but you've also got um, economy and crew seats. Um, so yeah, A6EDB, let's talk about it. It was the 13th Airbus A380 to be built by Airbus, and it took its first flight on April 2nd, 2008. Emirates took delivery of the jet in October 24th of that year, and it was the second to join the carrier. Um, according to CH Aviation, our friends there, it completed 46,917 hours of flight, which is equivalent to 5.35 years in the sky. So, you know, compared to some of the older 747s, it's really not at all reached its potential. Um, it clocked just uh, 5,699 flight cycles. Um, so yeah, the final flight of it was EK-865 from Muscat to Dubai International Airport, February 23rd, 2020. 
after this, it went down to um, Dubai World Central and then back up to Dubai. And then October 27th, it flew to Tarbes in France, uh, where Tarmac Aerosave is. Um, and then Tarmac Aerosave obviously scrapped it, which is sad because they should all be kept as museums like the Concorde. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Um, but, you know, it's not the only Emirates A380 that's been scrapped. It's um, one of a couple. The other one is... Um, the first ever A380, which is, or for Emirates at least, which was A6 EDA, and that was the one that we saw parts of a year ago when we were both in Dubai at the air show. Okay, yes, I remember. Um, so parts of that have been upcycled as well. But I just, you know, I find it cool that it's not just going in the bin. You know, they are they 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 recognise that there's some sort of demand here. And you know, when we saw uh, Aviation Tag, for example, making the Singapore Airlines skin tags, mm -hmm. they sold out like hotcakes. So. <laughs> I think there's going to be real interest in this auction. Um, and I think pretty much everything is probably going to be too expensive for me. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's always the way. Um, I, I own one piece of large um, aviation memorabilia, which is my kitchen bin, which is from a, a Monarch airplane. I can't tell you what airplane. I guess it went probably on a few. Um, but that was a lot of money. It was an anniversary present from my lovely husband. Um, but I'd love to have more. I'd love a kitchen made entirely out of like the, the slidey bins that you get in the in the um, galleys. And, you know, well, but it's yeah, just extortionate buying all this stuff. <laughs> I tell you, you could have, if in that kitchen, you could have a cappuccino maker because I had one of them on my flight out yesterday and that was very surprising um, to have just a, a, a frothy coffee in a china mug with a metal spoon was wonderful. <laughs> Tom's first business class experience. <laughs> I'm so chuffed for you. <laughs> yeah, it was fun. Uh, but, you know, I didn't want to talk about that too much this week because I thought, you know, I can talk about we'll it talk next about week. We'll talk about it next week, yeah. Because then there's two flights to talk about. And, you know, if I talk about it this week, I won't talk about it next week. And then if there's something really interesting on next week's flight. So watch this space. <laughs> Absolutely. And watch this space for our next podcast. Uh, podcast. I've got podcast on the brain for our next webinar as well. Um, because I'm really expecting excited to be speaking to Andrew Levy, who I'm sure many of you will have heard of. He's currently the CEO of Avello Airlines, um, but he's got a long history in aviation, former CFO of United, former CEO of Allegiant. Um, and I'm really excited to talk to him. You know, Avello has been doing some great stuff over the last year. Um, we will be running the webinar on our YouTube live at 2pm London time or 9am Eastern time on Monday the 26th. Um, so please tune in. And of course, it will be available for instant replay after if you're not able to catch it live um so that's my plug <laughs> we'll be sharing more news via our email list and on the website very soon um but other than that i think that's all for today's podcast and we do hope you enjoyed it and welcome your feedback at podcast at simpleflying.com for more great content visit our website at simpleflying.com or find us on social media simply search for simple flying if you enjoyed the podcast please leave us a rating on your favorite podcast player Thanks for listening. Bye.